I suppose that would be the advice I would, would have is for anyone who, whether you're getting in through a job application or through networking or whatever it is, showing you actually are thinking about their channel and it's it coming from a place where you want them to succeed is probably something that they're going to, that's going to make you stand out and that's going to make them want to hire you more. Start off by telling me a little bit more about yourself, like who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, so my name's George, uh, George Blackman, and I'm a YouTube scriptwriter and a behind the scenes type guy. Um, so I started off just over a year ago, actually, it was, I think, October 2021, I started writing scripts for Ali Abdal. Um, and within that business, then kind of moved around a little bit, ended up doing a bit on some of his courses. And there were a few like other projects of his that never ended up getting off the ground, but like alternative YouTube channels and other things like that, which I was writing scripts for, for uh, a couple of months. And then as of July, June, July this year, uh, I went freelance and now I basically work with a bunch of other creators in the same capacity, um, including Justin Moore, who runs Creator Wizard. It's like a sponsorship uh, coach type thing. Um, he's going to kill me. That is like way underselling what he does. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's all good. He's been on this, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. Hopefully people will know. Uh, and uh, uh, Film Booth, if anyone knows that channel, which like helps uh, people improve their YouTube videos. So working behind the scenes on cool channels like that. Awesome. How did you get started writing? And did you mm. like have prior experience to starting with uh, Ali Abdal? Yeah, n no, I, I didn't. And this is why it's such a weird one, because I feel I want to try and encourage people who want to get into this, that it is very doable. But it was kind of, there was a little bit of luck involved regarding timing um but no i'd never written for a youtuber before I, I did do um a lot of writing beforehand just like off my own back um so i i when i went to university i guess six or seven years ago i met my like comedy partner so I, i've written sketch comedy with him for uh well we're, we're still writing now we're taking a show up to the edinburgh festival next year if anyone's ever heard of that uh, or ever been there which um yeah so come watch us if you're there so i've been doing that and that that had kept me writing every week in some capacity and it had shown me the value in taking a project from start to finish um we put on shows kind of weekly or, or more or less weekly as part of the society that we joined and with each other and so that just kept that writing habit ticking over so that's like the only thing that directly i suppose would relate to writing for a youtuber that um that i would say i'd done but in terms of getting the job with Ali, it really was a kind of zero to a hundred thing. Um, I just happened to discover his channel like two or three weeks before he put out just really standard job applications. Um, and I think that is the way that some people get into the industry, but uh, a lot of the time it's through you know networking and friends of friends and maybe starting out if you're an editor, like editing for your friend's YouTube channel or you know, making thumbnails for someone that you just already know. Whereas this was just like, yeah, he put out job applications by by chance i'd found his channel just before it happened um and i yeah ended up getting the job as one of four writers who got in at the time um so yeah there really wasn't any any magic to it it was just i leaned very heavily into this writing that i'd done uh with my comedy partner but beyond that it was just like showing an enthusiasm for youtube showing an interest um i remember i went through his youtube channel as part of the application and was I was just giving opinions. Like I, I remember I told him that he'd, he'd recently changed the style of his thumbnails. And I remember in my application thinking, is this a good idea? I'm going to do it. Uh, and I just told him that I thought they were really bad. 
um, the, the, the more recent style just didn't work. And in like having since got in, I remember they, they've talked about the fact that they want people who have opinions on, on things like that. And I suppose that would be the advice I would, would have is for anyone who, whether you're getting in through a job application or through networking or whatever it is, showing you actually are thinking about their channel and it's it coming from a place where you want them to succeed is probably something that they're going to, that's going to make you stand out and that's going to make them want to hire you more. That makes sense. I've also heard that from other people where it's like creators and I guess just people across the industry are going to want people that have the ability to think for themselves. So it's like you see something and you're like, this is not the best way to do it. And it's like being able to Mm -hmm. tell them that when they're like, I don't know, I guess like a higher up is really important, which makes sense why they hired you, even though it is like criticism and you don't even look for them yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think they they do appreciate that. And and especially having then been in there, um, it was very, yeah, it was a very specific experience working for Ali. I've never been in such, uh, I just, I guess I didn't know what a system looked like behind a YouTube channel before, but it is very much like, let's be upfront about how we feel about things because it's going to be better for the channel and therefore us as a business if we're honest about it and so i think that is very much what they want but it, it is a strange especially as a, as a brit we're like polite to the point of it, it's like irritation almost and it is a kind of weird switch to turn on that like i'm gonna just tell you that i think this is bad but it is better for everyone in the long run right yeah totally you mentioned like the system how um I guess, did you like integrate into that? And like, what did that system look like? Yeah, it, it's weird now because it's it's my my whole thing. And I kind of live off of knowing a bit more about this stuff. But I do remember the first day of working there. Like I, I kind of backed myself as someone who could write good things and someone who liked YouTube and had opinions on, on it. But actually trying to get an understanding of of yeah how how it all comes together in such a professional capacity when there are i mean literally millions of dollars flying around this thing it kind of it 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 blew my mind a little bit um it was really about just i don't know man like just really trying to absorb all the information that was coming from all sides because a lot of people in there had their own youtube channels um and there was a lot of opportunity to spend time with the part-time YouTuber Academy course. And therefore you'd see like the guest speakers that came in. Um, and it, it really is just like letting all that seep in um, and trying to, yeah, like offer your, offer your advice where you can, but admitting at the start that you don't necessarily know anything or you don't know as much as you'd like to yet, but being open to, to just learning about how it all works. Um, I know that answers your question about the system. I, yeah, the system itself is, um, is, has been very different for all the different YouTubers that I've worked for. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk a little about that or if that's that's interesting to you. Yeah, sure, definitely. Sure. It, it, now, because I work from home and I work with people remotely, uh, it maybe feels a bit more like, you know, I can just do my own work and I present them with what I've done and they either say yes or no and then we, we carry on. But being being in in person with a team of, as it was at the time, I don't know, 20, 20 people or something like that. Um, there's there's a lot to, yeah, to get used to. And it's a lot of very kind of precise, like we, we had lots of different systems that we tried where 
all the writers would come to the this kind of first session with four different video ideas, like one sentence video ideas. Um, and we'd very, very briefly, almost like uh, Shark Tank or Dra Dragon's Den or whatever it is in, in the US, like you have to try and convince him that this is this is an idea that I think would be good for your channel. Here's why very quickly. And you'd have very little time to do that. And if that got through the first stage, you go away, you develop it a little bit, you come back the next week with a slightly more fleshed out idea. And again, it would kind of get that same test where everyone in the room would have their opinion, but ultimately Ali would have his opinion as well. Um, and then again, like you'd read through roughly what you had, Ali would mess around with the structure a bit. Um, and again, if he was happy with how it was going, then you'd go away and then you'd write it up in full. Um, but it very much came down to like, ultimately, no matter what anyone else thinks, YouTube a lot of the time is driven by the personality of the person in front of camera. And if, if they don't believe what they're saying, it's not gonna it's not gonna work because they're not gonna look like they're actually enjoying what they're talking about. It's gonna come across as fake. And so yeah, it's this whole thing has been an exercise in trying to get into the minds of the people that I'm working for because if you can't sell it to them, they can't sell it to the audience. And yeah, it's really just about trying to slot into their way of thinking uh, as closely as you can which has been really interesting. Um, whereas I, I suppose I contrast that with some of the clients I, I work with now, like Justin, for example, we, I basically brought that system to him because he's, he's absolutely killing it in like the kind of business like that he does, but he very much brought me in with the kind of logic of like, Hey, I'm kind of YouTube is ticking along, but I'd really like to try and up my YouTube game a bit and, and systemize it a bit more and make it more precise. So for him, I brought that system in a bit more. And have a little bit more free reign to kind of make the videos what I what I want them to be. Um, so there's definite differences there depending on who you're working with. Ali had a very set way. Justin was more open to like do whatever you think will be good for for me, which has been yeah very creatively satisfying. That sounds like it'd be really difficult because I don't know if it's like just me because I'm not a writer. But writing mm -hmm. a script for a YouTube video that you're not going to be on camera for seems mm -hmm. like it'd be kind of tough because, like, the presenter would want it to be, like, their words, I guess, right? So how has that yes. been, like, learning how to do that? Mm. It, it's definitely, like, to some creators, it just doesn't work very well. And I think that's one thing that we found with Ali was we switched styles a lot where it was like, okay, no, no, for, for, for retention, we need this to be word for word because we need to know exactly how it's going to go. We don't want me to ramble on too much on camera. We need to know where the cuts are going to be, what the B-roll is going to be. Let's get this looking really tight. But then, as you say, it would come to filming day and he'd he'd start reading it and uh, <clears throat> he'd be like, I, I wouldn't say it like this or I, I would switch this around. or And then it would become this whole thing where it was like, oh, actually, no, you know what? This whole, this whole paragraph overall, though the sentences work, this is not the argument I would make. And... You know, so there's a lot of um, a lot of back and forth needed to make sure that was right. But ultimately, it was hard. Whereas uh, someone like uh, someone like Justin or Ed, I don't, I don't know what it is. Ed, sorry, is the, the guy that um, runs Film Booth. It kind of just depends on the voice of the person you're doing. Some people have a very, very precise way, which I think was was Ali's way, whereas other creators are a bit more free and easy as to how it would come out um and some people are just easier to get into the head of Ju justin for whatever reason i can like hear his voice as i'm reading it and i still make little mistakes but it just i feel like i can say with certainty more and more 
this is how he would say it. I can literally hear it. Um, whereas Ali and then some other creators I work for, I, I, I found that harder to do. And I, I suppose it just depends on what the channel is, who the, who the creator is. Uh, yeah, it's not always easy, but I guess that's the, that's the job trying to make it easier. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That'd be like <laughs> kind of base to base because like everyone is different and it's, there mm. are definitely some people that have more defined personas, if that makes sense. Yeah. But also it seems like that like could be hard to emulate. Whereas like some mm. of the more like um, free form persona, I guess would be a bit easier because then it's like you have more leeway in what you can say. Yes. Yeah. I go with that. So, yeah. So when you're writing a script, is there like kind of a, a template almost that you follow um, when you're putting that information in and then like getting the, the attention of the audience? Is there kind of like a format that you follow for that? Sure. Well, I mean, not to <laughs> undersell my literal script template that I um, give away on Gumroad. Um, not really. I, I have I do have a script template which which has been downloaded like six hundred times and people seem to use it and like it and and whatnot but it, that's more just a way of laying it out for my own head. Um, every single person I've worked with has been really very different, um, <clears throat> and I think that there's like two ways of doing it. If if you're working with a creator who already has quite an established style, uh, it's just about like watching how their content already looks and trying to figure out how you would almost emulate that. Whereas if, uh, you know, I'll go back to the example of Justin again, you're kind of going from the ground up where he's given you free reign to do whatever you like, then you have a bit more freedom to experiment. Um, but the main thing for me is I, I, I need the, the skeleton to come from their brain. And that's always what I need to start with is basically saying to them, like, what are the, what are the five key points that you really, really want to hit? doesn't have to be in order doesn't have to even make a lot of sense as a kind of overall but just like what if nothing else made it in what what has to be in this script um so that's always an important starting place and i know there's like it's always said that and and this is not to uh say that this is not right but the, the idea that you need to have the title and thumbnail first definitely but i find without without knowing the kind of bare bones of what they want to talk about i can't come up with a title so i kind of need those key uh, yeah, bits of the, the overall skeleton, get those and then think, right, okay, I can see what they're roughly trying to say. What, how do we turn this into roughly trying to say to definitely trying to say what is like the real thing that we're driving at from this? So then working out the titles, drafting some different thumbnail ideas. Um, I draw some just awful, awful mock-ups of thumbnails on my phone, which uh, I could I could send you. Um, and it's it's really funny seeing them like in my sketch form compared to how they come out in the end because it's, it's honestly the stuff of nightmares um but that always comes next because it just yeah that that there is wisdom obviously in that um because you need to know then when you're expanding the skeleton what it is that you're really trying to convince the audience of um and then it's like something i've, I've been thinking about more recently and it this is hard to fit into every niche of video but the whole thing of like positioning the audience as a character and then kind of making yourself a reflection of that character in the video and thinking about, okay, if I am a member of my audience watching this, what is it that I want 
what is it that's stopping me getting it? What are the stakes? If I don't get what I want, what will I, what do I stand to lose or what will I not achieve? Um, and then ultimately what the kind of like takeaway of the video is. Um, oh, who was it that, because I, I learned that from someone whose name escapes me. I might have to follow up with that. But like, that's a really good kind of, it, it seems really silly to, to like break down into like so many, so many layers, what you're trying to achieve. But ultimately that, that will then feed into every single sentence that you write and how you're positioning it. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that. So you're saying okay. that you should like try um, to position yourself as the audience just so you can like kind of like think about what they would want. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it, it really, it's so hard to, there's, there's not a cut and dry rule for, for every niche because if, if you are just doing a kind of here are 10 steps to actually no even that would work i was going to say like so say you took a video like 10 steps to become financially free the whole time you're like thinking what is it the audience is trying to overcome on a very specific level and it's like well they want more money why do they want more money um so that they can be financially free but why do they want to be financially free so that they're not worried about paying the bills every month and so that they can go on nice holidays and provide for their family and, and that kind of thing and once you like really establish what the the stakes are you can really target the advice that you're giving better to that audience of people. Um, so it sometimes feels like you're going a bit overboard when you're really thinking about that stuff, but it's like, you know, classic audience avatar stuff, thinking about who am I actually speaking to when I'm making this? Um, and, 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 you know, this is even, it's a problem that I have encountered very recently. So I, I'm doing, or I have done a kind of one-off script for a, a client that I'd never worked for before. And I made the mistake of basically not establishing early enough in the process who who exactly I was aiming the video at. And it came to a point where the, the script was was written and I thought it was kind of ready-ish. But then the creators come back and has kind of made all these points where actually the, what I'm saying excludes a certain type of people that they maybe want to be included in who I'm aiming it at. So it's, it's often semantic and it, it doesn't really always affect the overall video itself, but you just, you don't want to risk alienating the kind of person you're trying to appeal to with the video. So that's why it's really important to, to know who you're aiming at before you start. That's such a good way to think about that. Cause I actually have heard that just phrased in a different mm. way. And it was also just okay. a long time ago. Sure. But like, I feel like a lot of creators don't do that. <clears throat> Sorry. Especially mm. when they're starting out, you don't think about like building that person that you're, making the content for and then they just make mm. the content that they want to make and then it yes. ends up just not appealing to people when sure. if they had like thought about the person that they're making content for it would have yes. been a lot more successful maybe yeah that's really true but it, it is harder at the start though because when you have no data and you don't necessarily know who you're aiming at yet it does pay to just try new stuff um, which is not super relevant if you're like writing for someone else who already has that established audience, then you can just like ask the creator, who is it we're aiming at? And you can ask all those questions. But yeah, when you're, you're starting out, it is, uh, it is harder to know. Um, every video is a kind of shot in the dark and it's the same if you're trying to grow on Twitter or like anywhere, you're just putting stuff out and trying to latch on to what does well. And once you've figured out, okay, this tweet or that tweet did well, why did it do well? And who's it doing well with? And it, it, it's much the same for YouTube, I'm sure. It's it's 
then you can start actually really thinking about and I mean literally asking the audience like um questions about who, who they are or what kind of content they want to see next and uh you know where where they watch your videos from and who they watch them with and all, all of that eventually feeds into how you write your video but you don't know that at the start so you have to try a few different things yeah that experimentation is really important to get mm. some things out there and then i like you said it kind of in the beginning anyway you have to just do some stuff to collect some uh some dots <laughs> or some data points to figure out what yeah. is um like available and what can work <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry, I just kicked my bin extremely hard. I hope that didn't <laughs> deafen anyone listening. It hurt my foot a lot, but we're okay. <laughs> Ouch. It didn't sound too bad. There you go. Um, and then when you're like writing a script, how important is that in like the whole process of the YouTube video? Because you have so many steps from developing the idea, the title, thumbnail, the script, and then actually mm. like filming, producing, and like marketing it. How important is that step? Which step, sorry? It's writing scripts. Oh, the actual writing itself. I mean, it kind of depends, again, like which creator you're working for. Um, I think there is probably wisdom in the fact, and I'm talking myself out of a certain number of jobs with this, but I think there are some creators who probably don't need script writers because it just doesn't work with their style. Um, so in some cases, it's more a case of, this is kind of bad advice, but like for some creators it works that you just, you, you just have a rough idea of what you're going to say. You spiel to camera and rely on the editor to cut some bits and pieces out and then you create really good content. Um, and I think that's, that's the case with someone like Ali where it's so based on his personality. I hope he wouldn't mind me saying this, but he, I think, always veered towards wanting to do bullet point style so that he could inject his personality into the video live on the, the day um which did make it slightly easier as, as a script writer because you could just say okay bullet point about this bullet point about that um maybe a bit more word for word here but you could let him have that free reign um but on for the most part and the advice that i probably have for most people is the the script is is completely crucial because it's it's about the timing of everything that you're doing. You, you need to be precise. If you want people to watch your video from start to finish, you have to be precise about what it is that you're saying, like we've already spoken about how you're saying it and thinking, I, I often, I mean, literally in my head, I'm trying to watch the video as I'm writing it, where I'm thinking about the B-roll and thinking about, okay, how long if we've been making this point, how long have we been sat here just staring at this creator's face? Would it be better if they moved to a different, room and like which room should it be is there something we can do in a certain room to make the point they're making even stronger um what other you know stock footage or b-roll can we put over the top so if you're trying to make the video optimized for that kind of retention i think you need you need to be watching it in your head um and writing it very very precisely and and that's why someone like like ed from film booth is is doing so well if you watch his videos or, or indeed a lot of creators videos Every word is is so precise. Every camera change is really thought through, um, and as a result, his retention is sky high. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that like putting more effort into it would be um, more beneficial. Now, yeah. you mentioned that like 
say changing a room could make a point stronger can you like go into that a little more because yeah. that's something sure. that like i've never really thought about sure i'm probably over indexing over indexing on that slightly i was just meaning like if there is again i, I if you're creating some sort of metaphor to help tell the story that you're doing it, it doesn't work as well to just sit in a chair and explain the metaphor um, it, it's better for people to see what it is you're talking about while you're talking about it. So it might just help, you know, there, there's a script that I've written fairly recently for somebody that involves a kind of like soup analogy that helps the video kind of trickle along. And so rather than just saying, imagine da, 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 involves a bowl of soup, it's much easier to be holding a bowl of soup while you're making the point. And I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail because it might make the video completely identifiable when it comes out, but um, it, it just helps to show what you're doing rather than just talking about it, using things that are either in your house or if you have to go outside and do stuff, whatever makes the video better. Um, but then I, I would also say it does go beyond the script because often you can write the script with the best of intention, but when it comes to then editing it, and, and this is something that I do for, for some of my clients is having a look at the video once it's been made and in theory edited tightly um and the advice from hayden hillier smith who's like the the youtube editor who a lot of people have probably heard of who edited for logan paul and for other people um it is like if you if there's a, a point that you're making and you kind of feel like a little section of it might not be necessary you just highlight it delete it and if the point still makes sense from start to finish you definitely didn't need that little section and it can often only be once you see the video in in the flesh that you realize you can actually cut more stuff out or that you can rearrange the order of certain points. And, and so it doesn't stop once the script is done. You can certainly do your best then. But it, as, a, as a script writer, I prefer to then see it after the edit so I can continue to give feedback on it and think, that was a dumb sentence. I didn't need that and get rid of it. Yeah, totally. No, I think that like the changing and like adding props and things is really important because most maybe mm. not most but i've definitely seen a lot of people not incorporate that and it does make for a bit more of a bland or um, i guess less meaningful video than sure. i mean you can see this with like uh i don't know casey nice guy comes to mind because he's always sure. like changing locations and then he'll like have just a random location but it's like there's some mm. value in that location which is really yes. interesting because it also keeps the attention because um i mean you see like mr beast just constant cutting but it's yeah. like a bit more scaled down version of that which is really interesting mm. definitely yeah i mean that, that's the other thing is like i feel i i feel almost once a day that I have literally no idea what I'm doing because I watch, I watch other people and it's not, it's not like, wow, they're such a good creator. How do they, how do they do that? It's just like, I just never thought of, of this, doing this in this way of cutting in this way of phrasing something like this before. Um, and there's always so much to learn and every niche is so different. And this is why the kind of imposter syndrome kicks in a lot is because I've only written for so many different niches. Um, and I run a, I do this, uh, a weekly newsletter where I basically review people's retention graphs and suggest why drop-offs have happened at certain points. And a lot of it, it's like, well, this is what I think, but I might not be right. Um, because I'm not super familiar with this niche and I can watch, and I often do, if I don't know the niche very well, I'll watch a few different videos 
that might be similar and, and that may have done better and think, oh, okay, they did this really well. This might be why. Therefore, this other video has had a bit of a drop off. But it's like, it is a, it's a, it's a never ending game. It's an infinite game of, of trying to figure out how to make things better and better. But I often feel like, yeah, I don't know the first thing about what I'm talking about, but um, clearly you just have to learn it bit by bit, niche by niche and get better and better. So you, you said that you have experienced imposter syndrome. Sure. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, like, this is the thing, especially once I, when I went freelance and I had, I had so much interest immediately because Ali retweeted my, I, I, you know, basically did a tweet saying, hi, I'm looking for, for freelance work or I'm open to it. If anyone is, you know, needs a script writer and I kind of expected nothing would happen. He retweeted it and obviously he's got a huge following. And so therefore I had like all these like, you know, big name YouTubers. And that surprised me the most is that seemingly everyone, whether they're, like a thousand subs or, or a million, two million, they all need people to help them. But it feels like, and it felt like for a while, well, they don't actually know if I'm any good at this. They just saw that Ali said I was okay. So therefore they want me in the business. And it, it took a while of getting over that because, but then you look back and you think, well, but then again, he did also hire me in the first place. And, you know, I think I did well when I was there, but, um, yeah, you're just constantly backtracking, thinking, well, they've only hired me because of this, and, and he only hired me because of it, and she only said that I was good because someone else said I was good, and it's really easy to fall into that cycle, but then when you zoom out, you're saying, well, I've been doing this for over a year, and never really had any, never really, I don't think I've ever had any um, complaints, so it's just about grounding yourself, and uh, yeah, believe in yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah no some people <clears throat> i've talked to some people that i've just like never experienced it which is kind of interesting because there are mm. some people that really? have it like yeah but then there's some people on the other end of that spectrum so i guess it just depends on the person and their own experiences i tend to see people mm. that um i guess have worked in the industry but that's like not specific to youtube so like Mm. authors switching to youtube or like something mm. like that or like a videographer switching to youtube is like they have the prior experience and they've yes um i guess done that professionally i usually see that as the main thing that helps people not have that but it's like you can't really get that if you're just like diving into youtube yeah you're right that's a really good point actually because it's still it is kind of seen and, and less and less i think but it is seen as like the non-professional way of doing presenting or editing or writing. It's like when I, I think of myself as a writer, it feels like anyone over the age of 40 would say, no, you're not. Because you tell them it's YouTube. And I mean, actually, I say it's as if I'm implying anyone specific had said that, you know, my parents, for example, are very, very supportive and everyone I know is. But there is just that sense that it's like it's the kind of millennial version of the real version of this job. You know? Yeah, no, I totally annoying. agree with that. <laughs> it's kind of strange because it definitely is like a real job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But people make a killing doing it. It's, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, exactly. And it's like once you're either you're hired or like some you hire someone, I guess, if you're like that far along, it's like it gets to be essentially um, a mainstream company, which is really interesting. Mm. 
Yeah. I'm kind of curious to just see like how far it gets because like Mr. Beast and I'm not sure who else on the platform is like massive, um, but they're just making like companies. Like it's yeah. getting to a point where it's just kind of, um, I don't know, becoming mainstream, which is sure. super interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I have. I feel like I only have the kind of yeah, the generic examples, the fact that YouTubers can take over a football stadium and pack it out and take over a boxing ring and pack it out and start their own burger brands and drink brands and all of that stuff is is pretty crazy hasn't i'm pretty sure mr beast has started like an actual university course right i mean please fact check me on this um look this up now um i'm sure he's partnered with like the university of carolina or something um yeah east carolina university uh to launch some sort of youtube training thing so whether that counts as a degree i don't know but um but yeah you can just you can see it filtering across into totally mainstream things like that that's cool that's really interesting i had no idea that he did that but it makes total sense there's some other things that are similar but they're not like creator specific i know of one i think it's at ucla Mm -hmm. where there's just like a class that you can take but I think that'll sure. become more of a thing in the future. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the, the other side of that is like, it, it kind of feels there's that gatekeeping complex that comes up when you think, oh my gosh, what if, you know, whatever it is, there's something like crazy stats about the number of people at school who, who want to become creators now. And that's, you know, numbers that we've never seen before. Um, and the result of that is, yeah, it, it potentially becomes a bit oversaturated and it makes you think, okay, is am I as secure as I thought I was? Because it, I, I struggle to find people, I keep on doing outreach on Twitter looking for other people who do what I do. And there are people, but it's kind of hard to find them. But the worry is, oh, what if loads of people come in and then it's really hard for me to find clients? But equally, I think it, if I get my rational brain back on, I think it is a good thing because it will push, push standards up. It will force you to be a better and better writer or editor or whatever you are videographer or whatever else um and it just gives this whole thing that little bit more credibility with more people doing it which is is a good thing yeah definitely that competition is always good but once Mm. you're like in the industry it's much easier to find work than it is for someone trying to get into it so you kind of have both sides of that coin yeah no yeah definitely yeah right um so now going back to scripts, when mm. you write a script and then you like follow it through, through to the final video, do you mm. generally see that like when you feel good about a script that it gets more views? Like does that kind of like a better script equate to more views? Uh, I think my radar is often way off. Um, you can kind of you can kind of tell. Like with Ali, there were some that I would that I would work on with him that were like obviously going to be the viral ones. So I did I kind of did all the maths on his uh, like how much I earned in twenty twenty one video, and you know that's going to do well because it just has viral potential because people want to know how much rich people make and you know that's that's that. But then there are some like other clients that I've worked with where we've had a kind of batch of videos ready to go, and I've been really excited about when this one goes live. Um, and then it goes live and it does okay, but it's like a five out of 10. And then one that I'm kind of worried, I'm like, oh, I don't actually, is that thumbnail as good as I thought? And, oh, man, my hook was really 
really kind of slow and we, oh that joke was too early and it's going to put people off and then it does really well so basically no i think it's hard to it's hard to predict you can do your best with it but um it can always surprise you yeah that's interesting i wonder why it is because it seems like kind of contradictory to what you might expect because if you're like really happy with how a video came out it would make sense that it would do better right <laughs> yeah interesting. often i suppose i one thing i think um i don't know if you've heard of jake thomas who is the like yeah the youtube titles guy um <laughs> and his his course was which is really good when it comes back around i'd very much recommend anyone who um yeah who wants to get better at writing youtube titles takes it but what i didn't expect from the course and that came at the very start is about generating the idea and there's kind of that's like the stage before before the skeleton of the script before the title before the thumbnail is like if the idea has to be really good i'm not gonna hammer that point home too much because it's you know it's fairly obvious but a lot of the time you can be really happy with and this is what i kind of realized in hindsight we were happy with how the videos come out but if it's not a concept that people are that interested in it doesn't really matter that the video was slick and uh presented really well and made some really good points because people have got to care about it in the first place right yeah no it is true how the video idea is like vital to how it performs mm. and then there's also kind of ideas that are just like like you mentioned the how much i earn video it's like that's obviously going to uh make a lot of uh attention and get a lot of views mm. yeah so there's kind of a bit of a double-edged sword there where it's like you want a good idea and a good script so you need kind of like both <laughs> yes yeah exactly that um but i hear the, the good idea thing all the time um I'm not even, it sounds like I'm sponsored by Jake on this one, but like he has a really good, he, he and I think probably, you know, it, uh, I've seen other creators vaguely talk about this, but there are systems that you can kind of use and, and fairly repeatable methods to figuring out which ideas, not necessarily even have viral potential, but just what the next good idea could be for your channel that aren't, yeah, that you might not otherwise think of. So uh, yeah, we definitely recommend his, his stuff on that yeah no he's really smart i did an episode with him a while back that was like oh did you okay so fascinating yeah it's like there's nice. a lot of things that you can kind of almost like templates that you can follow you just kind of look at what other people are doing and what succeeds yeah and then mimic yeah. that and sometimes usually it works because there's a lot of psychology behind yeah. that that's really interesting yeah and it's like also then going beyond your own niche because a lot of people just talk about what video did really well that I could just kind of emulate that's from a similar creator to me. But then there are some totally different niches which have, there's like a viral element to the title or part of the concept that you can steal and apply it to whatever it is that you do. And yeah, that's that's where dreams are made, Owen. Where they're made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So this is kind of just a one-off question. What is one sure. thing that you would tell people that's like, beneficial as you're growing an audience to help them Ooh. to do that and just gain a following and gain people's attention sure um yeah i mean because for me growing an audience is, is like a, a side part of all of this um because i knew that i wanted to 
expand my reach and work for more people. But at the start of the freelance part of my YouTube career, I was really just thinking, let's just get a couple of clients that I really like and then chill out. Um, but the kind of addictive side hustle that comes with that is, yeah, trying to continuously grow your own brand, I guess. Um, in terms of, yeah, what I've, what I've done to do that, I'd say just uh, be willing to, to pivot, I suppose. Um, and, oh gosh, I don't want to be someone on a podcast who says niche down because that is boring. <laughs> um, but I definitely, I, a big kind of turning point for me and when I saw a kind of sharp uptick in people subscribing to my newsletter, following me on Twitter, downloading my stuff, um, like uh, Notion templates and, and that kind of thing was literally just reducing the number of services that I was offering. So I started out with quite a wide net where I was like, oh, I'll write YouTube videos, but I'll also write your newsletter and I'll also do your tweet threads and repurpose stuff for LinkedIn or you know whatever you want. Um, but reducing that and trying to focus on being like a YouTube scriptwriter person and someone who focuses on retention curves massively uh, spiked you know, like all, all green numbers, all upward arrows, all of that stuff. Um, that's all I'd say. That's been the most effective thing for me. Don't be afraid to cut off some stuff that you offer. Don't worry that you might make less money because you probably won't. Or, or whatever your aim is, it might not be money, but yeah. Yeah, it makes sense though. There is a reason that that piece of advice is repeated so often because it's yeah. like you want to get more people in your niche to know who you are and the more specific you go the easier that is yeah yeah and then i mean that goes beyond just getting attention it's like sponsorships as well is really important because then it's like you get a company that's like directly in your niche it's like so much better than having a general audience yeah Okay, this is another one-off question. This is the final final question that I have. What is one sure. thing that you would recommend everyone buy that's under $50 to just improve their life or their content? It could be anything, really, just to improve their life. <laughs> um, a back roller. Uh, because since being at home, my, my back is, is in serious trouble. <laughs> um, well, it's not that bad, but it's always, I'm very, I'm quite tall, so I've always had kind of bad posture. I mean, I can literally, even right now, this is making me think about it. But yeah, like, get a back roller, get up in the middle of the day, just, you look a little bit crazy, but just sit in the middle of your living room and just stretch your back out, cat cow, deep breaths. Um, I often do, well, actually, I've, I've been meaning to combine the two, is, is that plus green tea stare out the window, because... Yeah, I definitely, I've found since doing this, especially when you're, and it's probably, I'm sure this is the same for anyone who works for themselves, but it's so hard to stop. And often, like in the evening, my, my girlfriend will have gone out to an evening class and I'll be like, right, this evening while she's out, I'm going to actually relax and watch TV. And before I know it, I'm working on my website or like drafting tweets and, and that kind of thing. But actually anything, any purchase that will help you properly take some time for yourself uh, and stretch your back out if need be, uh, would, would be a good thing for your general mental health, physical health, etc. That's awesome. I love that answer. I recently got Thanks. a meditation cushion, which Ooh, is like nice. So that's a that was a recommendation, which is like 
so it's okay. the same vibe just taking a sec and just like slowing down just chilling yeah clearing your head nice. it does help so much for productivity just to be able to like take a step back from what you're doing and then yeah, you can come sure. back to it with a fresh perspective what, what, is, what right. does a meditation cushion do differently to a normal cushion it's it not like, really incredibly comfy it, it's not necessarily the like product itself it's more just that it's like a reminder so you like see it and you're like oh that's a meditation cushion because it looks weird and then you go and meditate (laughs) and it's like like it's it's just kind of more the mental thing as opposed to like a physically better cushion (laughs) nice that's really cool yeah yeah back roller that's a good one all right so (laughs) wrapping up here are there, do you have any uh, projects you're working on? Any social medias that you want to plug? Sure. Uh, I mean, everything kind of comes through my Twitter. So follow me at am I, George Blackman underscore because another George Blackman must have got in there before me. Um, that's pretty much it, really. Yeah, my website's attached to that. Uh, I've got a few Notion templates if you're a YouTube script writer. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm always like, I'm always very much of the as Ali Abdel would say, guide, not guru type thing where I, I'm learning as I go and I'm just trying to share, um, you know, the, the stuff that helps me do what I do for anyone else who wants to get into it. So yeah, George Blackman underscore on Twitter. You find everything through there. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the episode. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's been great.